Last week, Pastor Bob was talking, he was talking about Philippians 3. We've been in Philippians all year. (laughs) And it's been good. It's been good. He was talking about Paul, and Paul, who had been a Christian for a long time, had been a missionary all over the place, penning letters to these churches, and he says something unique in in verse 10, Philippians 3.10, and he said, he told him, he says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power. And, and just the idea, and Pastor Bar was saying, to know him more, and to know him more, and more intimately. Recognizing his spirit according to his word, experiencing the power of God. And so today we're going to continue in that endeavor to know Christ by zeroing in on the Bible itself. So today, if you're following with us, the word of God is alive and powerful. There's notes there. If you're online, those should be downloadable to help you track with us today. Key verse for the day is Hebrews 4, verse 12. It says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. God, I thank you for your word today, Lord. You said that your word um, will come and it will accomplish what it's designed to do. It won't fall to the ground without doing what it's designed to do, Lord. And here we read that it cuts between soul and spirit. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Lord, your word is trustworthy, Lord. Help us to recognize that even more so through today, Lord. Increase our faith. Give your passions to our heart. Give your wisdom to our mind. In Jesus' name, amen. Most Christians will say, yes, I believe in God's word. Yes, I believe the Bible is true. Yes, I believe it's alive and powerful. But oftentimes, you and I, we live as though we haven't read it or we don't believe it. Instead of living by God's word, we live by our feelings. We live by sight. We live by our understanding and according to cultural messaging. Had the opportunity last week to speak to our middle school group, uh, High Point Christian School, and the middle school group meets in the cafe. And I said, uh, two questions, I said, how often have I told you that God loves you and that he has an important plan for your life? And they said, every week at chapel, you tell us that all the time. And then the second question I asked them, I said, can you miss God's best for your life? And how? And they said, yeah, Uh, a couple people raising their hands. If we try to live our own life, if we just think and live as best and as we desire, we're going to miss God's best for our lives. I said, wow, that was good. That was impressive. And then I told them that I've been a youth pastor for 15 years, and I've seen a lot of students that say, yes, I trust God, and yes, I go his way. But when big temptations come, and this is for adults as well, or difficult times in life come, or they feel like doing something different than what God's word instructs them, then they turn away from God's ways to follow their own way or to follow other people, and they miss out on knowing Jesus more. And they miss out on God's best for their life. They miss opportunities. They miss blessings. They miss rewards. They miss the power of God in their life. They miss the favor of God. They forfeit peace and joy 
that God has for them. They forfeit the marriage that God has for them, the noble plans that God has for them. And so my talk today is directed to those of us who say we believe the Bible, but we continue to make two common mistakes. Number one in your notes, two of the biggest mistakes that people make in this life are A, living by their feelings, B, living by their own understanding. And a lot of us Christians will say, yep, that's true, but this is good for us to hear over and over again so we can realize that it's more true than we think and we fall into these mistakes too often. Let's take a few minutes and talk about feelings first and then understandings. Culture often tells us to follow our heart, to do what we feel like doing, to go after what we desire. Is this good advice? Are feelings a good judge of knowing right and wrong? Can they be trusted? Preaching to the choir for a lot of you. If I live by what I feel, I wouldn't get up on time. I would play instead of going to work. If my little boy lived by his feelings, he would chase his ball across the street. My little girl would put her fingers into the electrical socket. (laughs) There are realities that we're unaware of, times when we shouldn't prioritize our feelings and desires. If someone really needs and wants money, is it okay, since they really want it, to rob your house when you're away? If someone is really mean to us and we feel like killing them, should we? I digress. So we realize right off the bat that if you and I live by feelings, we'll make huge mistakes in life and others will pay the price. And we all say, yeah, easy to understand, easy to know. And yet that's what we're doing so often, so often. Pop psychology is telling us, uh, our social workers are often telling us, our, our experts, our culture, they're instructing students and adults to align with your feelings. What? Seriously? They say, start with your emotions and then make conclusions about reality. Instead of starting with reality and disciplining our emotions so that they follow. In other words, just act like an animal. Wow! Good. I'm going to try that again. Just act like an animal. One and done. All right. Hey, emotions now determine truth and reality, which is a scary thought if you're a mother of a teenage daughter. All right. If a kid... If a kid doesn't want to listen to his teacher, he should be free to roam about the room, about the classroom. He should be free to backtalk his teacher, disrupt. He should color on the wall if he wants to because he needs to express himself. Really? Can I express myself and throw him through a window? Right? Don't teach respect. Don't teach self-control. Don't teach discipline. That might cause him or her to stress or might squelch their creativity. Now, don't misunderstand. 
I'm not saying that we should always stuff our feelings or that feelings aren't sometimes important. Certainly, God created us with the capacity to feel. We do have drives and emotions and feelings and desires, and there is a place for them in our lives. Feelings can be wonderful and helpful sometimes, but they can also be deceitful. Point being, they cannot be relied upon for truth to know if an action is right or wrong. They cannot be trusted because, number two, feelings are unreliable. Unreliable. Jeremiah 17.9, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? B, feelings can be deceitful. They help us in the sense that we touch a burner and I feel that it's hot and I remove my hand before I burn my hand off. That's helpful. Feelings are helpful when they tell us when to eat, when we're hungry, we need some food. But they're deceitful in telling us to eat when we shouldn't eat or eat things that we ought not to. They're helpful when we feel compassion for the old lady trying to carry her groceries, but unhelpful when we feel like watching her instead of helping her. Feelings of guilt when we do something wrong can help us recognize our fault. It may lead us to apologize and come clean. On the other hand, fear of punishment might cause us to hide or isolate or blame or lie. So instead of being led by our desires and our emotions and our feelings, see Feelings need to be managed. Managed. Galatians 5:22 through 23, it says the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, underline that one. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, underline that one. Feelings need to be filtered by God's Spirit, by God's Word. Feelings need to be discerned. Feelings need to be trained. See, I can't train my feelings. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There are many feelings, and to a large degree, we can train our feelings. Like training a dog, our feelings can learn to associate right or wrong thoughts and behaviors with rewards and punishments. Certainly. Feelings should not be our boss, but our employee, our employees. Employees can inform their boss, but they do not control the boss. The boss may take information and suggestions provided by the employees, and it might be very helpful, but he's not under any obligation to obey or promote his employee. Feelings may try to tell you what to do, try to control you, but they are not in charge unless you let them be. Filters need to be managed. At times, we may need to mock and defy our feelings. Serious. We need to tell them that they're not worth very much sometimes. Sometimes when I'm feeling lazy, I need to tell my feelings, I'm going to clean the garage anyway. Sometimes when I'm feeling discouraged and self-focused, I need to write a letter. I tell my feelings, you know what, I'm going to write a letter of encouragement to someone else. Inappropriate feelings of sexual attraction, I'm going to say, 
no feelings, and flee the scene. Feelings of greed, I'm going to be overly generous. I'm going to give more. Feelings of worthlessness, no, that's not true. The Bible says that I'm infinitely valuable to the Lord, and he died for me, he gave his son for me, he cares about me. I affirm my identity in Christ. We need to stop focusing so much on feelings. We hold our feelings up as the center focus of our life. When we wake up, we ask the question, how do I feel today? And that determines our day. Not to say that there aren't physical ailments that can slow us down, that there are realities, but much of the time we're too focused on our feelings, which if you think about it is self-centered, consumed with how we feel, it's very selfish. Feelings, emotions, desires will try to arm wrestle us, but we can simply excuse ourselves from the table, focus on something completely different. Listen, we can seek out godly fellowship, get busy working on something worthwhile, be a blessing to someone else, trust in the Lord, pray in the Spirit. We actually become much happier people when we're focused on other people. So feelings. Just took a little bit of time uppercutting feelings just now. Slapping them around a little bit. Because they aren't to be our master or our boss. They aren't to be. We shouldn't allow them to be. One might say, oh, I don't just react on my feelings. I also use my reasoning. Suggesting that they take into account a bigger picture. Insinuating that they listen to experts that they observe the data, is our, is our understanding a good judge of what is right and wrong? Certainly God created us with the capacity to think, as he did to feel. In having the capacity to think, to reason, to strategize, to discern, to observe, to discover, why not lean fully upon our own capacity to understand? Because three, our understanding is unreliable. Our best understanding is unreliable. Judges 21:25, in those days Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed, underline, right in their own eyes. If you guys have read the book of Judges, that is not a peaceful, organized, joy-filled book. It is a chaotic book when people are all doing what is right in their own eyes. Because what's right in one person's eyes is offensive to another, and what one person wants and another person wants it, and who is right, and who gets revenge, and how much revenge, and chaos erupts. Proverbs 28, 26, those who trust their own insight are foolish. You place a lot of weight on your intelligence, you are foolish. It's foolish to trust your own understanding. Here's George Washington, first president of the United States of America. As he was sick, 1799, he had three of the nation's best doctors three separate doctors, 
seeing him over the course of 24 hours. Each one of them, three doctors, performed bloodletting. He lost nearly a gallon of blood. They thought that that would, that would heal him, that would help him recover. They took a gallon of blood out of his body and he died. Three separate doctors, best of the day. They were best understanding. And down goes Washington. I've used this example before, but let's say a young child got to choose what they could eat for every meal. And let's say they don't just go by their feelings, because their feelings say candy, but they're like, no, no, I'm going to, people have told me I should think this through. Okay, I'm going to think it through. Candy doesn't look harmful. It looks good. It doesn't smell harmful. It smells good. It doesn't taste harmful. It tastes good. It makes me happy. I don't feel bad after I eat it. I don't seem to be weaker or sicker. No one seems to be harmed by me eating candy. So it can't be wrong, right? Cannot be. According to their understanding, they've dotted all the I's, they've crossed all the T's, but reality does not coincide with their conclusions. Long -term, the long-term effect would be deadly. Our understanding is unreliable because, see, our understanding is limited. <clears throat> so limited. Here's the Jewish prisoners. The most influential scientists and politicians thought that the answer to the world's problems was to kill all the Jewish people. That the Jewish people were the reason for most of the world's problems and they killed millions of Jews during World War II. Were their best reasonings correct? <clears throat> no. You guys, some of you guys were around to see this. 1950s, smoking. Wow, I love this picture. You got actors endorsing smoking, musicians, athletes, doctors, scientists, politicians. It makes sense. You should do it. It helps you relax. It looks cool. So many reasons to smoke. The experts endorsed smoking in the mid, early, mid-1900s. And here's the reality, the picture of all of the different risks from smoking that can affect you in varying ways. D, world's wisdom is often wrong. We may discover pieces of truth, but come to wrong conclusions. Even when we see all the dots, we connect them in the wrong order. You ever done a dot-to-dot? -dot? I have my kids doing dot-to-dot. -dot. Some of them don't know their numbers yet. So you have no idea what that thing is. <laughs> they have all the dots there, but connecting them in the wrong order. And that's a lot of times what we do and our experts do. I'm getting ahead of myself, but even if we can't find out why something might be bad, if God forbids it, we ought to obey even if something doesn't make sense to us yet, he knows what is good and what is not good for us, and he is the engineer of the world, and you and I. Yeah. Do we really trust God? You may have to let go of some strongly held beliefs to obey the Lord. 
You may have to surrender your perspective, your pride, your circle of friends, your lifestyle. Will you prioritize God's word above your feelings and understanding this morning? Did you know that at the end of the age, there will be a great falling away of the faith, the Bible tells us. In Matthew, in 2 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians, and Timothy, and Luke, they're all saying there will be a great falling away. And it will happen because people are depending upon their feelings and their own understanding. Did you know that at the end of the age, Satan will deceive many through a message of peace and safety, accompanied by miracles? When people reject truth, there is nothing left for them to embrace but deception, and that is what will happen. Revelation 13, 13 through 14, talking about the Antichrist, Satan himself, controlling, <clears throat> says he did astounding miracles, even, even making fire flash down to earth from the sky while everyone was watching. And with all the miracles he was allowed to perform on behalf of the first beast, he deceived all the people who belonged to this world. That's what's going to happen. They're going to be easily deceived because their feelings and their understanding are going to Say, hey, how can we not follow after this person promising peace and security and having all of this power and performing miracles? Revelations 13, just two verses later, 16 through 18, he, Satan, the Antichrist, will require everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead, and no one could buy or sell anything without that mark which was either the name of the beast or the number representing his name. Wisdom is needed here. Let the one with understanding solve the meaning of the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. Not going to go into what that is specifically or how to interpret what that might be. It may still be a mystery to us. But the mark of the beast will make so much sense. Listen to this. If we had a chip in our hand <clears throat> or forehead whereby criminals could be tracked, financial security could be had, ease of access with our banking, not carrying around any cards or money or chips or even our phone, we, we could have money within our hand, essentially. No more identity theft, passports, vaccination records, medical history, everything's there. It's so easy, and it makes so much sense. Everybody would say, give it to me, please, and demand that society have it. Why wouldn't they? It makes sense. It's going to help us. It's going to help us be more secure. Church, it is obvious that feelings are unreliable, and our closest observations and best reasonings are unreliable. And that's actually how things will go down at the end of this age. What is God trying to teach us this morning? That we must be led by something with a better track record, something more steady, more truthful, more certain, more dependable. Something more is needed than our feelings and understanding. Something more than 
body and soul. Look at our main verse. So Hebrews 4.12, For the word of the Lord is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. More than body, our feelings, emotions, desires, drives, and soul, our understanding and our reasoning, spirit. We're a three-part being, body, soul, and spirit, and the spirit should lead. Because our sin, I should say because of our sin, our spirit is dark, dormant, dead. But through Jesus Christ, God hands us a flashlight. Jesus is God's defibrillator. Jesus Christ is the bread of life, the fount of living water. By placing our faith in Jesus Christ, our spirit is born again. We receive life, the light of life, the spirit of Christ to lead us through life and into eternity. You want something more trustworthy than feelings and understanding? Then go to Jesus Christ and go to his word because for God's word is reliable. You have the reliable in your notes. That's my bad. Psalm 119, 105, God's word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. God's word reveals our motives and our intentions. It is alive and powerful today, right where you sit to do just that thing. God, you are the surgeon and your word is the scalpel. I've known this verse, it was my life verse for a good amount of time, but I saw it in a whole new light this week. It says, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, look at this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. We place higher emphasis on God's facts before feelings and personal understanding. We trust the Lord regardless of feelings and understanding, and we expect God to see us through, and we expect the greater reward. Psalm 19:8, the commands of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for the living. There's joy to be had, and it comes to those who are abiding in his word. There's a a special spiritual wisdom to be had, an insight that's given by God to those who are prioritizing his word. See, God's word filters our feelings. Colossians, I'm not, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we live by faith and not by sight. When we live by what we see, we can be dominated by feelings of fear, doubt, discouragement, worry, self-reliance, overinflated ego, pride. 
When we filter our feelings with God's word, we gain perspective, discernment, confidence in the Lord. 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, All scripture is inspired by God and useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong. It teaches us to do what is right. God's word shows us what feelings are legit and which feelings are illegitimate. What feelings align properly with God's design and his desires and what feelings need to be discarded. Helps us discern between God's loving conviction and Satan's condemnation. Helps us know how we are to proceed in thought and in action. God's word filters our feelings. When we have feelings, fine, dandy, let's filter them through God's word. Let's know God's word to know which feelings we should listen to, which ones are helping us in our relationship with the Lord and in our mission in life, and which ones are distracting or deterring us, deceiving us. D, God's word supplants our understanding. I didn't spit my gum out, but I dropped a <laughs> dropped a cough drop. <clears throat> Second Corinthians. Oh no, we we've been there, done that. Uh, God's word supplants our understanding; it informs our understanding. Look at Isaiah fifty-five eight through nine. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. My ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Do I know more than my four-year-old daughter? No answer. (laughs) It's close, but it's close. I know her better than she knows herself. She doesn't know or admit when she's tired, but I know. She thinks she can swim, but I know she can't. God knows you better than you know yourself. Trust and obedience are needed even when we don't feel or understand. If God says jump, I say, how high? Or better yet, I just start jumping. God is challenging us this morning to take his word and his ways seriously. To return to his word as primary, not secondary, informing our ideologies and our practices. When we look at marriage or parenting or finances or sexuality or education or politics or origin or morality, or meaning and purpose, or destiny? Do our views align with Scripture? And if there's some dissonance going on, 
if there's difficulties in what we can understand or see, then we need to seek godly counsel, godly wisdom. We should talk to people that are spiritually mature and have, have been serving Jesus for some time, and you can see fruit in their life. Our nation and world have been heading in the wrong direction for some time. Feelings and understandings, we're riding those two horses. Haven't looked to God and his spirit and his word for many decades, like we should. C.S. Lewis, he wrote this at the end of World War II, of course, living in England. He said, would you think I was joking if I said you can put a clock back and that if the clock is wrong, it is often a very sensible thing to do? We all want progress, but progress means getting nearer to the place where you want to be. And if you've taken a wrong turn, then going then to go forward does not get you any nearer. If you are on the wrong road, progress means doing an about turn and walking back to the right road. And in that case, the man who turns back soonest is the most progressive man. We have all seen this when doing arithmetic. When I have started to sum the wrong way, the sooner I admit this and go back and start again, the faster I shall get on. There is nothing progressive about being pig-headed and refusing to admit a mistake. And I think if you look at the present state of our world, it is pretty plain that humanity has been making some big mistakes. We're on the wrong road, and if that's so, we must go back. Going back is the quickest way on. We need to start a back to the Bible club. (laughs) How do we know God's word? How do we get into it? How do we let it, how do we allow it to get into us? How do we walk by it and live by it? How do we stay in spiritual shape, gain spiritual strength? Five, renewal through repetition. Renewal through repetition. We do this for our physical body. Three times a day, I'm putting some food in my mouth. Actually, about seven times a day. But it goes in there. Every day, I go to sleep at night. And I'm giving this physical body some rest. A lot of us, we exercise. We're doing this repetition thing to keep our body functioning and healthy. And some of us do a better job than others. No laughter. That was too awkward. <clears throat> Second Peter 1.3, what are you doing for your, listen, what are you doing for your spirit every day? What repetitions are you doing for your spirit? First Peter 1.3, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We've received all this by coming to know him. Oh, you see that? Know Christ, by knowing Christ. We've all received, we've received all this by coming to know him. The one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. When we know Christ, we get everything. Everything we need for a godly life, for living a godly life. We get his righteousness, his spirit, his eternal life, access to his wisdom, his strength. The Bible is accessible to all of us in this room. I remember the hit television show a few years back. I can't believe it. It seemed like three years ago. I guess it's been running for almost 20 years. The Biggest Loser. You guys remember that one? Weight loss television show over a 30-week period um, where contestants would compete to lose the most weight. 
Here's what struck me, was that they, they had a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. They didn't have to go to work anymore or school anymore. They didn't have to provide for their needs right there. They were on this set. They were at this place for 30 weeks. They had a personal nutritionist. Meals were planned out for them. They didn't have to plan their meals. State-of-the-art gym and equipment, personal trainers every day, exercise programs personalized and catered to their abilities, weight loss and health education. They were essentially guaranteed success if they would just show up and rep it out. Just do what they tell you to do as best you can. If you can't do any more, you can't do any more, but you just do what they're telling you to do. Even their meals were planned out, didn't have to work. In Christ, we're guaranteed success. Victory. He's purchased our freedom, forgave our sins. He gave us righteousness. He adopted us into his family. He's given us his word. He's filled us with his spirit. He's given us precious promises. And what do we need to do? Just show up and rep it out. Just get to know Jesus better. Just get to know him more, trust him more. Learn to please him as we go along. And we prioritize that. We prioritize it. We talk to God. We listen to God. We study God's word alone. We study it with other people. We learn as we go along what pleases God. Like Paul, we want to know Christ more. Philippians 3.10, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. See, keep showing up and rep it out. What kind of reps are we talking about? Reps of remembrance, reps of thanksgiving, reps of reading God's word, prayer, reps of telling your testimony, reps of fellowshipping with other believers. Even if you're an introvert, you find a couple people. I uh, talked to another guy in the church this past week, and he says, you know what? I come out to, to men's group on Monday nights, and I go to a family night, and I go to these different things because I feel like it just like, just like going to the gym and getting my reps in or work meetings for work. It feels like it just keeps me sharp, keeps me on track, yeah. keeps my mind focused on more than worldly things, keeps my mind heavenly trained, right. heavenly eyes. I have a friend that recommends when someone starts filling in a funk and he says, I just don't feel like reading my Bible right now or I don't feel like, you know, because we can go through that. He says, or you're feeling depressed or discouraged. He said, what he always recommends is a flush. You flush your system. You do a cleanse. And he says, I, I, this is going to sound absurd. Listen to four to six hours of good teaching and preaching during the day. I don't have that much time. I have seven kids. I work two jobs. I, just put it on in the background or wherever it's in your car and just flood your mind with heavenly perspectives and God's truths and his principles and his promises to just flush out your system and do a cleanse. And then hold on to that. Maybe not six hours a day, but, you know, a couple hours a day. You just have that stuff on. You find a couple good people preaching God's word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We have, this is kind of funny, that 2021 is almost over with. 
And yet we put these on all the chairs this week. You know, if you don't have a Bible reading plan or you have a hard time staying in the Bible, this can help you track. And just pick up wherever it's at. What is it? October 31st, tomorrow's November 1st. Just start reading. Check the box. It'll give you, help you stay on track with reading God's word. There's lots of online and free Bible apps. Read the Bible through. So rep it out. Yeah. Conclusion. Where are you at this morning? What are you looking to for truth? What are you building your life upon? Feelings, own understanding, let's spend time getting to know Christ more. Hearing from our Heavenly Father, prioritizing His Word, God's given us everything we need to succeed, but let's not be apathetic and irresponsible. The days are evil, they're full of distractions. So let's put daily nutrition and daily practices in place for spiritual success. Let's not miss God's best. God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word, which is not returned void. Lord, is it a lamp unto our feet, light unto our path? The skies and the earth will pass away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Lord, we all can use, every one of us, Lord, can use some renewing of the mind. All of us, Lord, can know you better, grow in you, Lord. Lord, for many of us, there may be issues, cultural issues, topics, Lord, that seem at odds with how we feel or what our understanding has been, and yet, Lord, your word needs to be followed. It needs to be understood and known and trusted. I thank you, Lord, that you give us wisdom. And even now, Lord, as we wait, Lord, I pray you'd fill us with confidence in you and in your word and in the future, Lord. Thank you for this church, for the brothers, for the sisters, the friends, the neighbors, Lord, that are a part of your great kingdom. We're on the same team. Thank you for the love that abounds, Lord, between us, one another. The love for you that you placed, the love you placed in our heart for one another. And we just ask you to have your way, Lord, the rest of the today, this week. In Jesus' name, amen.